0: Dot com. Now your host, Marguerite Crispillo.
1: Good morning, everybody, or afternoon, or evening, wherever the heck you are listening to this podcast. I am Marguerite Crisfillo, and welcome to another fabulous edition of Real Estate Real World. And today we have some awesome, awesome, well, I'm going to say they're awesome because they're Italian guys, right? Like, I mean, how can you lose with that? And so we have, I was on their podcast a few weeks ago, I'm like, well, you guys need to be on my podcast too. So welcome Gino and Jake, or Jake and Gino, which is jakeandgino.com. Gino Barbero and Jake Stenziano.
2: Bringing the pain. (laughs)
1: <laughs> so um my married name is chris pillow and my husband is actually spanish but my maiden name was scunchio and mm. i'm half italian so that's a, that's uh, a mouth
3: right there i <laughs> know i
1: know and you know the thing is is tragically kids came up with all kinds of great nicknames like skunk <laughs> and scummy and all that you know good thing i had strong self-esteem so it didn't bother me too much growing up but uh, my name now has 19 letters in it, so it, it's a mouthful. Um, but you guys have a website called JakeandGino.com. But you, what you really do is some cool stuff called Wheel Barrel Profits, right? And so tell me, let me. Well, let me read Gino's bio because he sent his over. Oh. And- <laughs> And so Jake's going to have to read his own bio, but I was having fun with Gino. So Gino Barbero is an investor, business owner, and entrepreneur. He's been investing in real estate for 15 years and has grown his multifamily portfolio to 674 units in three years. That's crazy. He's teamed up with Jake, the Jake over there, Stenziano, to create jakeandgino.com, a real estate educational company that offers coaching and training in real estate investing. There's a big need for that for sure. He is a best-selling author of Wheelbarrow Profits. Visit Wheelbarrow Profits tutorial, an educational product focused on family and multifamily investing. But you can get all that at jakeandgino.com.
3: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: So Gino is also a graduate of IPEC, Institute for Professional Excellence in Coaching. Oh, yes. fancy, fancy. You like that, huh? And it's a certified fancy. professional coach. <laughs> <laughs> He's also the author of the best-selling cookbook, Family Food in the Fryers. What does this guy yeah. not
3: do? Yeah.
1: Oh, my goodness. Like, what yes. kind of food is that?
3: It's Italian food. I used to own a <laughs> restaurant. So I decided I wanted to create a brand within a brand. But then I got sick of the restaurant, went into real estate. And um, I actually ordered this cookbook for Catholic monks. They uh, get new guys every year. So they're down and they have six or seven friaries in the United States. They have one in Harlem. So I go down there every Thanksgiving, cook Thanksgiving dinner for the uh, whole neighborhood. There's about 150 people. Uh, We just did, yeah, we just did one for the 4th of July. We did a barbecue for the neighborhood. And I go down and I teach all their new entrants where they're called postulants. They come in, they get six or seven new guys every year, do cooking classes for them. So um, that's one of my, um, I guess one of my, my, they're one of my benefactors. I just love to work with them. (laughs) Um, and it's great because my family's with them. So they, they're always around family life. I mean, they, they have a tough vocation. They basically take a vow of chastity, poverty, and you know, obedience. Not many people want to do that. So yeah. it's a hard road for them. So I want to be the role model for them to see what family life is like. And I bring a little bit of love with the cooking and I teach them cooking. And I wrote this cookbook specifically for them because they really are terrible cooks. Talk you about You should fam- see
2: the spread too. Gino took some pictures. It's amazing the, the amount of yeah. cooking they do. It looks, it looks if you great.
3: Go, if you go on ginosfamily.com, you You'll see all the pictures and all the stuff, and you'll see uh, the cookbooks on there. And I like I said, I was there one Thanksgiving. I did a couple of years ago. I did a whole tutorial, whole video on how to cook a turkey, how to carve one, and you just see the whole crowd. And my kids are serving online there. And it's just it's really what the holiday should be all about. It's not just about going to the family, but if you can do an outreach and get together with people who really the bottom line in, in this New York City is I don't want to get off on a tangent, but in New York City, it's so many people. There's millions of people, but there's so many lonely people out there. So I thought Thanksgiving, go spend time in the morning there. there. put a smile on their faces because it doesn't feel like a holiday because a lot of people are all alone. They're by themselves to get together. And that's what these guys do. They get their neighborhood together. They have a St. Joseph's table. And that's what it's all about, bringing people around the table, feeding them. You know, I guess you want to evangelize a little bit, but it's not just about the evangelization. It's about getting people together, enjoying company, bringing smiles to faces and and really making it a special day. And then afterwards, I just go to my mom's house. But it's I've been doing it for about 10 years. Gina, where are you at right now? I'm a mom's house right now. It just sucks me and I can't get away from mom. (laughs) And you have
1: six kids, too. So God bless your wife.
3: Yes, well, we have to be a role model. And that's why, you know, she's a superwoman with a cape. Uh, we homeschool. She homeschools all six of the kids. So, six yeah, she and
1: she homeschools.
3: Yes. Well, yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, that's why I'm I'm a guy who's got a lot of energy and does a lot of things because I feed off of her. She feeds off of me. I never hear her say I'm sick. I got to take the day off. I, she's the jack of all trades. It's funny. You go on Facebook and you'll see the meme about a, a mom she does cooking baking doctor you know how ha- you know cleaning lady engineer everything and that's what she does and she doesn't take. hold it on else. hold on
2: and she's the producer of all of our stuff she we, we call her the producer so all of our facebook live stuff that we do she's the producer all of our online stuff so she's producing as well our media yeah. stuff so and she's, she's a
3: great chili cook she's a and great the chili cook is
2: awesome yeah. oh, i love going to gino's house because wow makes the best chili. i need
1: to have her on the podcast you know my <laughs> I know, favorite thing ever like, what are ever. we doing
2: here i mean she's the one running it Exactly.
1: My favorite saying is, it's not lost until mom can't find it, right? <laughs>
2: like, That's, right. You know, That's
1: right. Especially with boys. Like, I have five boys and one girl. And so, boys are like, can't find it, mom. Can't find it, mom. and like, right. So, then you walk in and it's like right there in the middle of the shelf. It's like mm-hmm. if it's been a snake it a bit yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, moms are pretty amazing. and. Yeah. Uh, and boys love their mamas, so my boys are spoiled. I have a 31-year-old and he called me the other night and he's like, you know, you made it difficult for us to live in the real world because you spoil us so bad. That's right. So, but right. No, I, kids are, are fantastic. Well, so we spent the entire hour on Gino, so we got 30 seconds left for Jake. Don't get <laughs> well, listen,
2: I'll, I'll make it quick because, uh, so Gino and I are both from New York. I ended up relocating to Tennessee to start our investing career. Um, but we stay virtually glued at the hip. So we're not necessarily always in the same town, but you know, we invest together, do all of our investments together. Gino's currently in New York, but he's moving to Florida because we're going to expand our portfolio to J- the Jacksonville area. But we've, we've done a really good job in the last few years. We've grown, like you said, 674 units uh, in the East Tennessee area, multifamily, uh, class B and C uh, properties. And uh, we've done a really great job with it. We've, uh, we had our second seven-figure cash-out refi yesterday actually so we we get into these things we reposition them add value and then we're fortunate enough to you know cash out to longer term fixed rate financing and roll it into our next deal so that's sort of been the model with the wheelbarrow profits is buying right managing right and financing right and um, we're just we're just having fun with it, making it happen, growing the management company. Um, I always say I want to be the Chick Fil A of uh, of apartments. We want to add you know good service, affordable pricing, um, and just uh, just kick down doors and make it happen. We get our hands dirty. Started off with a 25 unit complex. I was I was managing it and uh, collecting the rents, scheduling the maintenance, and you know I don't know. We're probably up to 15 employees now, doing about five million dollars annually in revenue, and uh, we're just having fun with it.
1: How so? Tell me, how did you get? How did you get into multifamily? Like, where? How it was did that simple. start? It's
2: real simple. I was a, uh, I was a vaccine rep. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that's that a great question. Makes a, sense. Yeah, exactly. No, so, uh, you know, it really my whole thing, and this is what I recommend everyone to do to the, for their first job is get into some sort of customer service, get into some type of sales. It's so important. I got my break, and I tell everybody this. My biggest break in life was, you know, I have an MBA. It means nothing to me. My biggest break was. I started off at radio shack in a commission sales job and it changed my life i learned how to network with people i learned how to sell and it just you know it it, it transitioned me into the uh the vaccine company where you know i did well i was able to save up a little bit of money but it it gave me the ability to negotiate to make these deals and and everything has, has stemmed off of being able to deal with the public and uh and whatnot but Gino and I shared similar goals. We wanted to create wealth. We wanted to create passive income, and and ultimately wanted to create generational wealth for our families, so that you know we're not out there not knowing where the next you know paycheck is going to come from. The company I was with had a layoff every year for about eight years, and I said eventually you know it's just going to be not that I was always a high performer, but you know when is when am I going to get unlucky and they're not going to need that territory or the, the product's going to uh, go generic, right? So that's why I said, we got to make a shift. We hooked up. He knew I was interested in real estate. I was actually relocating to Tennessee and we saw an opportunity there uh, in their tertiary markets because the price per door was less than anything we've ever seen before. So Gino has been investing in real estate for 15 years and said, I think there's an opportunity there. He mentored me along the way. We put in offers for two years, got constantly rejected. People said, we're crazy. We're trying to set up seller financing deals. We're trying to do creative financing And because we didn't have any, you know, larger complex, they thought we were kind of crazy. Nuts, you guys aren't going to do it. They were telling us pretty much beat it. Finally, we landed our first mom-and-pop apartment. That's what we buy. We like buying from people that are not necessarily running it as a business. They're uh, sort of, you know, the mom-and-pop apartment model is is what we do. And uh, we we got into our first 25 units and never looked back. We got the, you know, instant credibility almost once you get that first decent-sized deal done. And we just, uh, we've been knocking them out ever since.
1: You know, it's funny because you were talking about your first job, and I was a cocktail waitress for five years, and I have frequently said that waitressing in some way or being a food server is like some of the best sales gotta training on the planet. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Gino, you used to have a restaurant, so you got to learn how to take care of people, you know, and, and, and it all phases, you know, in a bar, of course, they get obnoxious, but… Um, the truth is, you got to learn how to manage and and deal with people. Learn how to upsell, you know, upsell appetizers and cocktails mm-hmm. and things like that. You learn all of that. It's like some of the best sales training. Anything in commissions. That's what I've been pushing my my younger son because he's a nat- he was a salesperson at birth. You know, like he's a natural born sales guy. And I've been pushing him to go into like go do something in sales. I does I don't care what you do, but go get your feet wet. Yep. You know, doing that. So, Gino, how, you've been doing investing for like 15 years. So, mm-hmm. how did you get involved in it, all those? You said you used to be in the restaurant business. You had a yes. restaurant. Okay. Yep. I, uh,
3: well, I wouldn't call it investing, but what I was doing for the first 10 or so years, I was more like dabbling and I wasn't serious about it. And it wasn't a burning desire for me because the restaurant was doing great up until 2008. Everyone's making money. You know what I mean? The people were making money. I, I was living off the restaurant with me, my brother, and my mom. We had three families living off this one little 80-seat Italian place. 2008 comes. Everything you know hits the fan, and our business slows down. And you know what happens is you get that burning desire. Jake forgot to mention that the burning desire. And the, you know I always say this on almost every podcast. My should became a must. I didn't get any yeah, smarter. I love years, that. Years, right? Because all of a sudden I had that desire. I've got my wife is pregnant with with their fifth child. I'm like, where am I going to make this money? I'm not going to make money <laughs> the restaurant. I, my my hours stink. I don't like what I'm doing. And and we have to get. I was comfortable enough to to you know either going towards. Pleasure or away from pain. I wasn't that. I was in that uh, nebulous spot where I was comfortable enough, and uh, you know, I could I could deal with the situation that I was in. Once that uncomfortableness became unbearable, I said, I can't do this anymore. So I started getting coached. I mean, a lot of people want to get into the business. Get a life coach, get a real estate coach, spend the money, spend a thousand bucks a month, spend the 10 grand a year. I spent $10,000 on my education for life coaching. I wanted it for personal development, not to teach other people. But that 10 grand that I spent at IPEC is probably the best $10,000 I ever spent because you learn about yourself. It's not about real estate. It's not, you can do that and take that and do that anything you want. Whether you want to go into real estate sales, investment, you have to learn about yourself. You have to learn what makes you tick and then what makes you go, what's holding you back, your energy blocks that are holding you back, how you're resonating throughout the day with your levels of energy. Right now, my level of energy is high because I'm engaged. I love doing this stuff. You know, there's certain things that, you know, you have to go towards your passion and the restaurant at one point was my passion. I worked with my dad. He passed away in 07. I'd been with him for 37 years. I was six years old in the kitchen with him. So that was part yeah. of my, you know, you know, when I lost him, you know, that that sort of made a shift for me because I'd be in the kitchen with him all the time. And you lose that you lose that friendship and that 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 wore off for me. Then the next excuse. So finally, the excuses came and there I was done with it. That's when I just said, "Okay, Jake, it's time to go. And um, people say, where do you find the money? Where do you find it's not about any of that stuff. It's about working about yourself, saying that you're good enough and that you don't have to settle. I'm reading a book called The Ten Pillars of Wealth right now. Um, It's a little obnoxious. Um, Sometimes the guy goes a little overboard, but he says it the way it is, right? He says, listen, it's all about you take responsibility. You're the one who's going to make your own paycheck. You're in a traffic stopper. You're going to you're going eight to five. If that's what you want to do for the next 30 years, that's all about you. There's nothing wrong with it. And I was thinking to myself, wow, that's crazy. I was living that life. And um, back in March of this year, I ended up leaving the restaurant, uh, gave it to my brother. He's running it right now. And I'm doing this full time with Jake right now. So, I mean, it takes it takes a lot. You have to realize consciously saying to yourself, well, why am I not happy? write down the pros and write down your cons and if your pros and your cons if if, if, you, if your situation sucks more than it's good that's when you got to say to yourself time to get out time to do something else
1: you know the, my my favorite line that i heard uh, i don't know who i heard it from but it, it ties in what you said is that i'm in charge of my own economy
3: right mm-hmm. yep
1: like no one else is in charge of it no i mean no one else can control that i'm in charge of my own economy right. good or bad right that's so right. if my life kind of sucks that's it's I got And it's it hard
3: for people and, to swallow that. And that's what happened yeah. to me back in 08. I'm blaming everybody. I tell people jokingly a lot of times people blame Obama about the economy. I thank him every day for a sucky economy because I wouldn't have done it. <laughs> yeah. I'd still be back where yeah. I was seven or eight years ago, doing the same mundane things, not feeling passionate, being going by, having an existence, being comfortable and safe and secure. He crashed the whole thing. He didn't crash it, but he's just prolonged the death. If there's other things that he could have done. So But there's other people in that last seven or eight years that are making millions and millions of dollars. I figured out that they're doing it. Why can't I do it? So I can't blame him, the economy, Russia, anything. I have to see what's going on, figure it out, learn. And as far as you're saying with sales training, that's the next step that I need to do. I need to learn how to be a better salesperson. So it's on me to become a better salesperson and learn what skill sets I need to learn. So it's always about responsibility, always looking within you and not blaming anybody. And Jake and I come up with this a lot. We had a problem with an employee the other day. It wasn't the employee, it was us. We we dropped the ball on it. We could have handled it a little bit better. Blaming him is not gonna change the situation of what happened the way you react to it is the most important thing and taking responsibility and ownership, I think is truly the most important thing about any situation.
1: So my favorite book, and I actually did a podcast with him um, about a year or so ago, is a guy named John G. Miller and he wrote, QBQ, the question behind the question. Uh-huh. And it's such an awesome book because he talks exactly about that. It's like the the thing is is that when you take a hundred percent responsibility for everything, you'll find a way to fix it. But the moment I start right. to say, Oh, well, Gino didn't do this or Jake didn't take care of that, or then I I like shift that blame and I and I'm not looking for solutions. That's right. Right. But if I say, Oh crap, you know, that I screwed that up, or how can I fix that, then I'll go find Ways to fix things. It's a fantastic book. It's a short read. You can read it in like an hour. It and the podcast was fantastic too.
2: You know what that Uh, is, Gino? That's the death spiral. Because we talk about this actually and that, that dovetails so perfectly. We a lot of the properties that we purchased were mom and pop apartments. They were, you know, they owned maybe 150 units. It was a doctor and his wife and they just didn't run them professionally and it goes right along with that because they would not they would neglect things they would not fix things maybe they'd let the roofs go this that, and the other thing and then they would eventually uh, not re- reinvest the money the property was worth less and then we'd go in and buy it and rehab it and get it for a good price it's the same kind of thing not taking accountability not doing what you should be doing and eventually it just starts to build and build and build and that's what we kind of it just relates to the death spiral and we, we talk about that when it, as it relates to investing i think it's a great point though
3: but, Margaret, to your point also, the other thing is when you look at a problem, Jake and I are trying to do this a lot more often. Look at it as an opportunity. We had a problem with the employee. Hey, listen, we just saved a few bucks. We got a better employee. So you try to look at your problems as opportunities. Don't always look at them as problems. You know. And the other thing that I like that T. Harv Eker says – Problems to people might not be problems to others. If you're a level five person, you're an average person, you have a level seven problem, that's a problem. But if you're a level seven person and you have a level five problem, that's not a problem. So for you to build yourself up and to be, be able to become more responsible and be able to handle more situations, most problems in life won't even seem like problems. Um, that's what we're trying to get to, where you know what, a roof caves in, we had to change a couple of roofs, not the end of the world. But if when you first start out, that might be overwhelming. But as you grow and you contribute more in life and you, and you be able, to become a better person and a stronger person, most of those problems won't even affect you. They'll just roll right off your back.
1: Well, you know, know, so there's another great thought that comes to mind is that you will get paid in direct proportion to your ability to figure stuff out, Mm -hmm. right? So, if you can figure high-level stuff out, like you said, level seven, eight, whatever, Mm -hmm. you can figure that out, you're going to get paid very well. If you choose to only figure out at a level one, then... With all due respect, you're probably going to work at Walmart, you know, yes. or you're going to be, you know, not that there's anything wrong with Walmart employees. Don't send me hate mail. But the, <laughs> the, the thing is, is that you're, that's going to be an entry level position, right? Like that's yep. why there are entry level positions because those people have not yet, hopefully they will, been able to figure out things at a higher level.
3: Yep. And that's what we like about these apartments. Also, into your thing. The more value you can create, the more problems you can solve, the more money you're going to make. So, on a duplex, you have two units. You're only serving two tenants. You only have one property. You can only Create and enough, enough decent amount of value. There's only so much value you can create. We just purchased 156 units. There's a lot of value we can create there. There's more, you know. There's more amenities we can add. There's more rents we can raise. There's more stuff you can do on the property by adding value by creating the value. So you're serving more tenants. The more people you serve. The more money you're gonna make. That's just the bottom line in any entrepreneurial situation. The more people you can, you know, serve and get value to, the more is gonna come back to you. So that's why we love multifamilies. We realize that, you know, early on in our careers, we're well, wow, we have 25 units. It's the same amount of work to do 156 as it is 25 once you've got your business established. Because with the with the larger property, you can have the leasing agents, you can have the you know, maintenance techs, you can give some of that work off to other people. And your job now, Jake's job and our job is to try to, you know, drive revenue. Anything we should do throughout the day, and I'm learning this, is all about driving sales. It's not about editing a podcast. It's not about doing that low-level skill. And we struggle with that because we're still growing. But our focus, all three of us on this podcast, should be all about generating revenue and getting those sales higher. That's what we should be focusing on.
1: So I'll tell you what comes up for me as I'm listening to you guys. (laughs) What comes up for me is that, uh, well, I don't have the money to do that. Right. Like, that's the thing that I think probably most of our listeners will say, too. Well, I don't have any money to go buy an apartment complex like I can. I'm struggling to make my mortgage. How do I go figure out how to come up with the money to not only buy a a complex like that, but to be able to renovate it and rehab it and maintain it while it's becoming profitable? Because can I can I assume and correct me if I'm wrong? <clears throat> that maybe these units are not profitable when you first buy them like you're having to come in so that's incorrect okay I'll, Ed, I'll, i just i'm me. sorry
2: i'm just i'm chomping at the bit right now because you're teeing me up uh so Gina loves to bust my chops i'm using chops we just say anyways so when we first got into our our, uh, our first deal we we're looking for two years i told you we got rejected constantly and we finally i went at, my, my wife was like look we got to go buy a house we we're living in one bedroom c class apartments you know, Up until we bought our house So eventually we said Look, we found this really great house It was, it was a really good price We went out I blew all my seed money on the house What was it, Gino? Four months later, five months later We got our first deal done mm-hmm. And this, yeah. is, this is the thing So you, you get resourceful you knew, And that's the thing People that do well in apartment investing They figure it out and a great place to start. I'm gonna give us a shameless plug, but we go into all this in our book, Wheelbarrow Profits and in our academy. All The answers are how to find the money. We, we lay this out. All of our stuff is actionable. It's not philosophical why you should invest. It shows you how to do it. So what I did is, you know, Gino and I, we stumbled across the 25 unit deal. And the thing that was different is the numbers actually worked on this one. Most of the deals we looked at, the numbers didn't work. That's why we had to put in lower offers and we were trying to be more creative. The numbers actually worked on this deal. we're able to negotiate 10% owner financing on this. And for the folks out there that may not know about owner financing, basically the sellers put up 10% of our down payment and we paid them out of the cash flow every month. So then instead of having to come up with 160,000, we had to come up with 80. Is that right, Gino? I always get this number wrong. It was 80. 27
3: times three is, yes. Okay, so it was just about 80,000 bucks. Almost 90,000 bucks. Almost
2: 90,000, okay, prices going up. Gino's getting, it's getting more expensive, expense creep already. So, (laughs) (laughs) So, I didn't have the money, um, but I did have money saved away in a 401k. And maybe this isn't for you, maybe you know. Maybe it is, but because I tapped into my 401k money and I had maybe a couple thousand bucks uh, in my bank account, I pulled the money out, I borrowed it from my 401k, and that money got me into my first deal. From there, the credibility came, That we started cash flowing more money on the property right from the beginning, and I was able to then go and buy another complex. Then what we start doing, once you get into the game, we've been able to buy these underperforming complexes and then refinance them and pull the cash out tax-free and repurpose that into our next deal. So the key is getting into your first deal, getting your cash flow up, and then repurposing the money time and time again if you're able to find these
3: underperforming assets. Let me give a couple um, ways people can get into the game. The first thing is if you have no money, you need to have a skill. You need to have value. Jake, and I had the same amount of money, but he, I at least had the skill of knowing how to buy the property, how to analyze the property. His skill was, I'm going to go, I'm going to be the property manager. I'm going to manage this property while I'm working full time. So ma- apartments are great because all 25 units were in one contiguous parcel. It was easier to manage. Um, it was big enough for where we're going to make a decent amount of money and he could manage the property himself. We paid him a management fee. So he was getting paid to do it, but he was a partner. Now, if you're a single guy all by yourself, but you know what you're doing, you found a deal, you don't have any money, go to somebody say, Hey, listen, can i have five percent of this deal or ten percent of this deal i'm going to bring this to you and you know by the way i can manage this also so you can get a management fee and you can get equity to bring a deal because people are looking for deals there's no deals out there so bam instant equity you're into your first deal now you're going to say wow it's only ten percent ten percent is better than zero so from that first deal you'll start making money listen you can go work for a real estate company go become a real estate broker learn from the brokerage houses from commercial brokers i mean i wouldn't recommend going selling houses you know being a residential buyer or seller, but go into the commercial department, get a job with them. Um, It's commissions, but you're going to have to learn. And finally, what you got to do is you have to educate yourself. We are talking about all these high level stuff, whereas you're getting repair credits, you know, closing the middle of the month, all these things, you have to learn them. Um, I learned them through certain trainings. I've created trainings and Jake has created trainings on how to learn this stuff. And it's out there. It's not, I don't think it's hard. What's the word? It's not um, simple. It's simple, but it's not easy. It takes work. You have to learn. You know, outline,
2: I think a great thing for you to do right now is outline the deal of the Hammond that we just did and how we came up with the repair costs and everything just through the closing and not having to borrow any more money.
3: Sure. So the, so that, that was 156 units. <clears throat> you know, Jake likes to say patience, persistence, but willing to walk away. We made the offer in August. There were two groups ahead of us, uh, two REITs ahead of us, actually, two big boys. We were the little boys. We were the little, little Italian dogs, you know, <laughs> so we stuck in there. But we knew something.
1: Yeah. (laughs) That's how we
3: work, is every week I'd be sending out emails to the broker. So did it close, did it close, did it close. Long story short, they both fell out. They both passed a due diligence. It came back to us. So we bought the property at seven point one million dollars. It was in an actual A Cap um a B property. So in our market, we we actually paid right for it. Now, why did that happen? We knew the sellers were motivated. There were two different partners that were bickering. We bought it underperforming. It was doing about 98000 a month in revenue. Six months later, we taken over. It's doing $113,000 a month in revenue. So we haven't even been able to turn three of the laundry units. So we're going to hit $120,000 a month. I think within the next six months, we'll probably be Be right hovering right around there their expenses were bloated because they had so many layers of management they had maintenance guys so they were they were they were like you know feeding at the trough and one of the partners knew that was going on so i think that's why he wanted to sell these guys should have really kept the property and upgraded the amenities upgraded the clubhouse we put a dog park in jake did a great job with the pool deck uh we rebranded it we put a new signage on there we uh the parking lot Yeah, a fitness center. We've got the whole nine yards. It's a whole repositioning strategy. But what we ended up doing is we closed on the middle of the month. So we got $50,000 of those rents credited back to us because that's just do when you get closed in the middle of the month. We got our $50,000 cable contract, which they had just signed a contract, an exclusive, the month before. So the month after, that shows up on title. So that's basically, you know, and you can prorate it. So if you're halfway into the deal, you can bring that at a closing and say, listen, there's extra $20,000 left on this contract. I want it, because you're locked in. Once you take that contract over, you can't get out of that contract. Um, we also did uh, inspections on the property. We found about, you know, not a lot of stuff, but some deferred maintenance. So Jake said, either we fix it or you come up with a number. They came up with a $30,000 number, which we were real thrilled with. Our maintenance guys are going to take care of leaky pipes and that. So we got the 50, 50, and 30. That's $130,000. And also, you get security deposits that we obviously are not going to touch. But if you're in dire need, you can do that. You can get those security deposits. And how many of those? That was like twenty five grand in security deposits. All together, like,
2: the whole ball of wax is over one hundred fifty. Yeah. So
3: we knew going into the property how much the clubhouse was going to cost us, how much the fitness center. So we have enough money to do all the repositioning from the closing. Now, the cash flow every month, like this thing is cash flowing like crazy because we got a great four and a, four and a quarter percent, one year interest only uh, you know, term. And what's going to happen at the end of the year, we're probably going to refi, bring it to fanny. So, I mean, it's going to be a home run for us. We're going to be able to extract all of our money. Uh, and we're gonna probably take extra out on top of that we're gonna have a 30 year non-recourse loan at the end of the year um, but these are all steps this is not gonna happen on your first deal on our first deal we got six percent interest rate we got
2: we got
3: we got you know we got a three year term so we just got you know we I guess we're fortunate you know you you work hard no but you learn
2: you learn to make it work with crappy terms and you can then once you you can make it work with the crappy terms you get the good terms you figure it out then you really start churning and uh and gino wrote an article just recently he said you got to go through the courtyard to get to the hammond because the first property to do was the courtyard and we we learned it we took our lumps we learned the business from the ground up and now we're able to scale it into what we're doing today and that that's really the uh, I think the moral of the story for I'm just, us. Yeah, I'm
3: just trying to think trying to think back to the Hammond now. So once we ended up doing that, we've got all that money set aside. And you have all that money set aside, be diligent. Have a have a business plan mm-hmm. set in place to what you want to do with that money. There's a couple other ways you can get uh, repair you can get money at closing. You can do a repair allowance. Basically, yes. I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but for let's say your property is a million dollars, you know, the bank should be on board because you're gonna put that money back in say, listen, let's make the property a 1,030,000. At closing, seller, you're gonna keep a million and you credit me back $30,000. dollars we have
1: done that you, a lot on the real estate side. With yeah, you put costs, that in
3: the CapEx in the account. account. Let the bank put that in the CapEx account. You do your repairs and as the, as your repairs are going in, give it to the bank and let them do that. I think that's such an awesome way to get money back. And I had a student tell me also, what he does, he, he likes to get line of credits when he when he closes on the property. Get a line of credit, do some of, your, some of your repairs and then when you refi the property, you refi the line of credit and the mortgage all one shot and just get a fixed rate. There's always ways to do Gives it. Gives you a little I mean,
2: more steady cash flow every month.
3: Yeah, if you want to find a deal, it's not. It's not about the money. It's about finding the deal because you know money is coming into multifamily, whether it's Chinese or whether it's you know from South America. There's money flooding into it, and there's people investors out there looking for rates of return. So that's your job as a as, a, as an investor, as someone in multifamily. If you don't have the money, you find the money.
1: So one thing that's interesting to me is that you guys have bought. Properties literally all over the country, right? So, no, or just in, no, just, just in East Tennessee? Tennessee. Yep. Oh, okay. So you focused in that one area. How right. did you choose Tennessee? This is
2: I relocated there simply for uh, quality of life because I was in New York and I always pick on Gino because his property tax at his house are <laughs> twenty five grand. I'm like, you're nuts, man. That's crazy. And um, you know, my house is about the same size in Tennessee. Mine's like nineteen hundred bucks. And it's just crazy that. So I want warmer weather. They don't have a state income tax. The property taxes are very low. So all the things for a cheap guy like me, it's a it's a beautiful spot. Right. You know, lo and behold, we just stumbled upon this area that wow, we could we picked up some apartments at reasonable prices as well. So you know, the the uh, the winds keep on coming for uh, East Tennessee and Jake and Gina. You know, I'm loving it. So.
1: You know what I love that you were saying too is about figure out a skill too. So a good friend of mine. Uh, went to work years ago for, he was a cable installer, right? Mm-hmm. And he went to work for this cable company uh, back in St. Louis or somewhere like that. And he worked his way up to being able to manage and run the company. And then the guy that owned the company said he'd make a deal with him. He said, look, you run the show, I'll pay you a salary and I'll give you 10% of the company mm-hmm. when I sell it. Well, about five years later, he ended up selling the company for $22 million. Yes. And my friend ended <laughs> up with a couple million dollars, and right. and also he'd gotten all that skill. So now he could go run, you know, other type of Start up of his own
2: company or whatever he wants to do.
1: Totally, yeah. totally. You know, but what's him. so funny is when people see him now, they're like, oh, you know, you kind of got lucky.
3: Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: I got lucky going to work. I worked every my ass all day, right, exactly. and 12 hours yeah. a day, you know, exactly. plus some and being, you know, not sleeping and taking all the stress and all that. I hate so, that,
2: that people say that. That's just ridiculous.
1: I, I know. It's like kinda of crazy. But I love that you are saying find a way. Like everything is figure outable, you know. Mm-hmm. So find a way to either contribute skill, contribute money, contribute resources. I mean, there's a lot of different options and opportunities.
3: And well, I think or the work best thing is- like you said. no, but the or best work at is- Walmart. I think you just got to start. I mean, whether it's a two unit or a three unit or a hundred unit, I think the thing is just start. And you know, if your comfort level is small, start small. We For us, 25 units was manageable. We could, you know, we could wrap our mind around 25 units. If we made any big mistakes, it wasn't going to put us out. And if we had started 150 units, you know, make a mistake, septic systems go like they did on our property. It might be a huge mistake, but um, start at your comfort level, even though it's never going to be comfortable, start something where you can manage three unit, four unit. And um, you know, it's funny, we talked to Grant Cardone and he says, Go as big as you can. And it's hard 10 when you times it, start, right? Yeah, it's it's hard when you first start out to conceive that. So it's it's easy to say that once you've done it. But my recommendation is just start wherever you feel comfortable, but don't hesitate. You gotta get into the game. Keep
2: pushing well, once you get in, right?
1: For sure. And and one thing I learned is that it's just zeros, right? It's either ten dollars or really ten is. It's it really, really zeros.
3: Yeah. Actually, the bigger ones are better because the banks want to do that. They don't want to give you a $200,000 loan. They want to give you a $12 million loan. And that's the sad part about it because they're doing all the same amount of work for that one deal. So why do they want to waste their time doing these little deals? And it's hard to get financing, all the comps going on. Basically, Jake and I have the deal on the right. If the numbers work, the bank sees it works. If it covers a debt coverage ratio, if it has a cash-on-cash return, numbers don't lie. If your net operating income is that, you're going to get the loan. They're going to obviously look at your, you know, your ability as – your personal balance sheet. So Jake and I come up and we have another partner. So we have pretty strong balance sheets, but that's not what they're gearing it on for the most part. They're looking at the value of the property income approach, property yep. work and the income of the property.
1: So is, it is understanding and learning a lot of those numbers, is that part of what's in your book and some of the stuff that you teach about in your programs? Like, cause like, so I've been in real estate 23 years and this is going to be pretty pathetic sounding here um, because I've only really done residential real estate. I haven't worked with or dealt with that's investors niche, at all. Uh, yeah, it's my niche. It's what works for me, but I like I don't understand eight cap. I don't understand like all these different. I it's don't just understand the rate those numbers or how to yeah. calculate them. Yes,
3: yeah, so we had talked about this on our previous podcast. The reason why you're successful, remember the caulking guy, because you 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 niche it down. And if right. you knew that stuff, that means you wouldn't be so successful in residential. So you really I don't know residential. So if you really stay within your niche i think it's really important so the reason why jake and i like multis we lay it out i mean if you're going to become an investor the single family home is a little difficult to invest in because it's not there's no economies of scale there are single homes only certain markets work with that uh we don't really like that 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 model so if you're in residential there's just some more vernacular you have to learn it's not really that difficult and you know frankly most of the commercial real estate brokers don't know it either believe it or not we've run up a lot of, against a lot of guys who don't know what capex is who don't know what cost segregation is I'm like really yeah, you've been doing this for 20 years you don't know what it, what the cap rate in your market is I mean come on so if you learn that stuff and you learn all the you know the verbiage and the slang it'll just make you look that much more credible so before you start making phone calls learn all that stuff learn how to talk like a like a commercial we chunk bro- it
2: down or- even more though I mean we, we're not in multifamily B and C, we look for mom and pop apartments. We look for, you know, couples that are, that are divorced, that, that don't want to do it, they're burnt out, they're families that have inherited, you know, larger complexes. We've bought all of our deals are from people like this. We buy large mom and pop apartment deals. And that's specifically what we focus on. So we're very niche down. We're very specific in what we're looking for. And, and how old. do
1: you find those? Like, I mean, it, you know, it seems like everything's overinflated in California. Find I them, know, I'm not here in California. We find them
2: from, from folks just like yourself. We have good broker relationships. You know, a lot of uh, the Southeast is, uh, they don't go to market. They don't put them on LoopNet. It's, um, they, they have broker, the brokers have lists of guys like us and, and we love on those guys, right? We, we go up and make sure we have good relationships with the brokers and yeah. they bring us deals at this point. That's what But you've got to make those relationships in the yeah. beginning though
3: yeah and we have that they call them calls to offer I'm not really too thrilled about it because you got brokers saying well there's three people ahead of you you want to raise your price I just don't I, it feels a little stick sleazy to your guns, to me.
2: yeah
3: yeah it feels sleazy to me just put it on a loop net what does the guy want <laughs> let's let's negotiate price that's just not works in our market it's not like that you know the northeast it's different i was in cleveland on monday with the with the student actually we flew in we analyzed the cleveland market that's an mls driven market so you need to know what happens in your market everything goes on loop net there's five or six brokers commercial brokers in that industry in that market and i was fortunate to meet two really good brokers on monday uh, i networked with them learned all about the market within 30 minutes i knew exactly what cleveland was it was a rust belt which has got a lot of healthcare, a lot of high tech a you know, little, little bit of high tech jobs there I don't know if I'd want to grow, go there. They're saying it's an emerging market. To me, it doesn't seem like it's emerging. It seems like it's just basically stabilized. but. Um- you know, you really got to know your market. You really got to make those relationships with brokers. Those that's one of the most. It just feels biggest good because
2: the, the Cavs won the uh, the championship. That's all that's going on there.
3: Right
2: now. <laughs> <laughs> you know,
1: I saw uh, last week I was at uh, a real estate conference in San Francisco and Gary V was there. Do you know Gary Oh He's a kick in the pants. So he spoke and then I got to they had a meet and greet after. So I, I got to meet him. And he, in his talk, he's like, look, everyone has excuses, right? Like, you know, like this was, this was an eye opener for me because he talks a lot about social media. Cause he's big, you know, he's got Zayner media and stuff on social media. And he says, you know, he goes, I always meet this guy, you know, Stan, who says, Gary, you know, he goes, I didn't grow up with the internet. I don't know how, you know, that's not something I grew up with. He goes, Well, that's BS. He goes, You didn't grow up with a car either, and you figured out how to drive a car. You, <laughs> you didn't
2: grow up with anything. You came out naked. Okay. You exactly. figure it out.
1: Exactly.
3: Well, that's a limiting belief. That's all about coaching. Yes. So. I mean, the, the the limiting belief and the assumptions that since I don't know how to do it, I won't be able to do it. I got my mom, I love my mom. She still doesn't know how to freaking do a VCR. She can't, you know, not that we're talking VCRs. She's <laughs> the smartest woman I ever know. She didn't go to high school, she's intelligent, but that's just a block on her. And so you get a life coach and you work around that block. Why can't you do social media? For me, I just hate it and it's become a necessary evil. So I plug through it, but there's, a, I have a lot of energy behind it because I didn't grow up with it. I just missed it. I just missed Al Gore inventing it. So I was just right this out of the college. Is,
2: he's so phil- <laughs> crap i mean like, this is like mr facebook live over here saying it is not easy yeah media. but that,
3: that's really easy to learn that's i'm just talking like oh now it's easy i'm talking when you really chunk it down you know what i mean but I, you know so you have to I'm work cracking
1: up you get three italians on the phone and none of us can shut up right it's like, it's like, that's like a total family dinner conversation like it's so loud and obnoxious but i, I love it so i'm not complaining at all uh, so okay so you have this book that you wrote it you wrote it gino did you guys write it together we
3: wrote it together you know okay. it, it, that was another that was another venture because we didn't know what we were doing we got an editor that was a big mistake we got somebody they, they did a good job in the end launching the book but jake and i basically wrote a page a day we stopped we got, and up, then we uh, we got up like an
2: hour early this is gonna sound so stupid we literally got up an hour early every day for like a year and wrote a little bit and said Yo, you write this one i'm gonna write a little bit of this one and by the time we were done it was really there uh, I mean, it just sounds—it sounds like kind of corny, like oh, you—you know, you, you read. No, that's really what we did.
3: We should right, have gotten so. a ghostwriter had some ghostwriter yeah. write it for us, but this way was better because we learned our systems. The whole book lays out the framework for all of our training, so we never would have been able to come up with this if we had done a ghostwriter. So, I mean, ghostwriters out there—they're pretty expensive, but they can get it done really quick. They have the book edited. You give them the content. Uh, you do a lot of recording with them. But the way we did it was a little bit more of a, I guess, a little little time time consuming. But it came out it came out really good in the end. We enjoyed, we enjoyed you know the end. And improv. just
1: so you know, well, for our listeners, we'll have links to all. Of the stuff in the show notes and on our page too, so don't worry about trying to scribble it down. But we'll get the information about that. So I, I wanted to ask one more question: Is that if I am, like I said, I've been in residential real estate for all these years, and I've thought seriously about doing uh, doing some investing because you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be here selling real estate forever, and it. I think it's just that first step is what kind of scares me. We had bought some, we made the mistake of buying some investment properties back in 2006, right when the market crashed in our area. And the mistake that I also made, and this is what made me gun shy, but I'm getting over it is that we bought properties that were out of our area. And so we didn't know enough about Mm -hmm that we relied on a real estate agent in that area mm-hmm. we didn't know enough about the market enough about the area we didn't even really know enough about the condition of the property you know overnight or a book time. right now yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm getting one i'm gonna order one for sure um the and so so when we finally ended up going up and looking at the properties, I'm like, I can't even believe we bought these like what a, what a train wreck it was, of course, ended up losing a ton of money on it because it, it happened during the market crash. I mean, if if it hadn't happened during the market crash, I'm sure we would have been OK, but it happened during the market crash. And so I think that's what gets people those stories are what scare people. And don't really necessarily know what to do or where to start or you kind of feel this little, you know, like you're walking on eggshells.
3: Mm-hmm. So what I would do, I did the same same uh, thing that you did back in 06, 07. I put money into a trailer park down in Florida, which was looked like a good business model. I never actually went to visit the park. I had one of my best friends said this is a great deal. I had no partnership agreement, no operating agreement, no private placement memorandum. I did everything wrong. I did no due diligence is what you did, right? That's exactly
1: the, what I did. Two no, biggest I birds. I did everything wrong.
3: Well, you know why? Money was easy and I had money. So a, a person with money meets a person with experience. The person with experience get the money and the person with the money gets the experience. And that's yeah. what happened to wow. me. Wow.
2: That's that, well, that, that is was serious a right
3: there. like that
1: that's a tweetable.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> that is a tweeter right there. <laughs> so long story short, we all make those mistakes. Can you now, repeat I,
2: that? Can you repeat? Can you do that again? I
3: don't know if I can. Hold on. A, a person with money meets a person with experience. The person with the experience is going to get the money, and the person with the money is going to get the experience. Wow, and that's all to cool. us. So you can take two Open choices. Of
1: brilliance,
3: people! <laughs> you can either cry about it, which I did, and you can get motivated about it, which I did. What did I do wrong? I mean, it's not a mistake. We all say it's mistakes. It's actually something wrong that you did wrong, and you course correct. If I did it again, then I'd be an idiot because expensive I did the same expensive education. Exactly. So it was really expensive. bro. let me tell you, I spent lost you? a lot, lot uh, about a buck fifty. Yeah. So, oh,
1: well, mine was a little bit more than that. We're in California. You know, I, I, I think it was two hundred you know. and almost well, the buck hundred and fifty thousand or a million and a half. Okay. No, 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 one fifty. Yeah, uh, it was about it was almost three hundred thousand. Big
3: mistake. So I'm not embarrassed to say my mom brings it up all the time. I've let it go. I I've, the guy was a moron and I was a bigger moron. So it wasn't his fault. It was my fault because I didn't do my due diligence. Now that I can look back at it, Take so responsibility.
1: Um, that's yeah. right.
3: And the problem is you think you have a lot of money, you're going to start out. Sometimes the money is not the problem. Less money you have, the more creative and the more opportunities you're going to think of in your mind. So it's not always about the money. What was your question? I completely forgot the question once you said yeah, about- I'm loving these-
2: this right now. This is great. <laughs> I, I don't
1: know, but that was a great conversation. I, forget, I No, I think my question, it wasn't necessarily a question. It was more of an experience issue is that I feel like I made a huge mistake oh, and it okay. made me really gun shy. So yes. it, I yes. said, okay, well, I got to go figure out how to make that money back. So- oh, I- Okay. just went to work yes. starting to make money but I've always for ages I've wanted to do what you guys do but it's just I get like you know so then what you do is yeah. this, this,
2: this is
3: this the other thing you do Night I mean, before I, it closed
2: scary regardless yeah. the deal it is it's not as much anymore but man the first few deals I was like freaking out definitely
3: what you do is you just get your education on, and that sounds really weird, but just go to Bigger Pockets. That's the first place I tell people to start. Start educating yourself on that site. Listen to some of the podcasts. Go into the commercial and the multifamily part of it. Start asking questions. Go on blog sites. Start asking people questions. Start reading blogs that Jake and I write. I mean, there, there's a lot of stuff that we write that's you know I wouldn't say low level, but it's free information. And once you start reading that, get yourself comfortable with that, and then go out and try to find a mentor. Mentors are harder because they've, they're you know if you can find somebody who's older who wants to share his knowledge with you, but if you're gonna go get a mentor, Create value for that mentor. Just don't waste his time. I mean, especially if you're young, maybe you can work for the guy and just follow him around. He needs coffee. He needs to pull up a listing. He needs to go somewhere. He needs to have these deals analyzed. Do whatever you can do to do get get in front of that mentor. And finally, if you want to go into these coaching programs, find a coach. I love coaching because it holds you accountable. There's a framework. You know, you can have a one-on-one with the guy, and that's that's priceless. People don't understand that if they're going through a deal and they're spending a couple grand with Jake and I, some lady's doing a 1031 out of same francisco she's going to put half a million bucks into kc she doesn't even know about multifamilies she, i think she's worried about spending the money coaching with us but she's got a half a million bucks that she's going to invest she's she's gonna, that's going to f- yeah so i mean, <sighs> that's the People cash flow so suck right buys. there <laughs> whatever you learn you're going to bring that with you forever that experience yeah. is going to be with you forever so that five or ten grand it's going to be inside of you forever you know so i i think it's really important that you find somebody who's doing it find somebody who you like who you can build rapport with and and start learning from them
1: Jake, I'm guessing that your apartment investment's done better than your 401k. Uh,
3: I'd zap my 401k and put
2: it all into apartments. <laughs> I don't have, yeah, I have. I was just gonna say this is a big goose egg. I had, I think, at one point, like maybe 150, 200 in there, and uh, I liquidated the entire thing so I could roll it into more uh, multifamily. So uh, yes, I have done much better on my apartment investments than I did ever did in a 401k because you know what the 401k did? It went up. And then it went Ooh. down and then it went up yeah. and then it went and just and the yeah. multifamily is going like this right it just keeps yeah. going up so yeah.
1: Yeah. well you know what is there anything else you guys want we've talked about so much i feel like my head is spinning like no uh,
2: hit, I, hit us up we a day in the life we're of jake going, and Gino. <laughs> we're going nuts on instagram right now you got the, the instagram just became snapchat facebook just took over the world we're going we're going gary V on everybody hit us up snapchat <laughs> instagram facebook dot jakeandgino.com Check out the podcast, Jake and Gino on iTunes. I just
1: finally figured out uh, Snapchat, because my 19-year-old had Snapchat for the longest. I'm like, Snapchat? John, show me. I go, John, show me Snapchat. He goes, no, Mom, Snapchat's for teenagers. You're too old for oh, Snapchat. He doesn't watch. you tracking him. That's what it is. That's well, it is. exactly. I said, I won't follow you on Snapchat. He goes, I'm not showing you Snapchat. So I finally started figuring it out. Um, and so I'll follow you on Snap. Yeah, you guys you will using, send me your Snap Are you
2: using links. the Instagram stories? Yeah, I just started. Yeah, it just so came out like what four days ago or something. Last yeah, week. I, I got back from Chicago and I didn't even know about it. And I was like not looking at my phone for a week. and I'm like, what the heck is this? And all these yeah. people are like Snapchatting on Instagram. So we started. It's just hard it to
1: stay on top of it. You know, you're trying to Snap, you're trying to Instagram, you're trying to Facebook Live. It's like, holy crap! Like I need to be Gary V where he has you know his guy following him around all day and post and stuff. But uh, yeah, I see you getting there. An excuse. I see you getting That's an there. Ex- yeah. <laughs> Well, you know what? You guys are awesome. I am actually trying to come to New York for uh, Inman in January, and so I'm going to Virginia next week, but uh, I, I would love to come out. In the, in the city. If I'm Italian still up here,
3: food. yes, if I'm still, I'm, I'm supposed to be moving. You're moving
1: your whole family to Florida?
3: We're going to move. Yeah, we're selling the house, and I'm going to uh, rent for a year in Jacksonville. It's it's great. I drive around in a golf cart. I love the beach. There's tennis. There's fishing. There's swimming. There's everything down there. It's a, it's a quality of life. I mean, the cost of Where living Where in
1: Florida is- are you going?
3: In Jacksonville, uh, it's about about okay. an hour. It's like Southern Georgia. It's about an hour, um, you know, into the state. I, I love it there. It's just nice. There's a lot of families down there. A lot of big families. Southern Florida seems a little more transient. A little bit more snowbirdish. Northern Florida is like more of a family, stable, stable area, you know.
1: And you're staying in Tennessee, right? Jake? Locking it down. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm gonna post all your guys' links. I'm gonna follow you. What's your Snapchat?
2: Uh, all the handles are Jake and Gino
1: okay so i'm gonna look them all up and follow you guys on oh we should snap right now hold on let's do a snapchat
2: i'm in airplane mode. this here. is gonna be this is wild right You're now we've airplane, never done okay. i'm going off airplane mode so if we get a bing bing oh, oh, hold a
1: bing, bing. on if he gets Gino, a bunch of text messages hold
2: on yeah we're we are snapping right now we're gonna snap the, right now just
1: Okay, we're snapping right now, Jake and Gino, follow them on Snapchat. Oh, you're snapping me, snapping I'm you. Snapping you. On- <laughs> I'm snapping you. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'm not snapping you. I'm the only one not snapping over here, huh? <laughs>
1: all right cool well thank you guys so much for being on the show today this has been a hoot and uh i'm gonna get your book and i'm gonna check out all your stuff and we're gonna post all those Gino, links don't I'll... worry about
2: the book Gino. will send you one
3: i'm sending oh, one. oh
1: thank you i can't wait to read it i'm gonna check it out so and then i'll have to come out there and visit you guys in florida or new york or wherever the heck you are so <laughs>
3: Thanks Thanks again for joining us
1: today on Real Estate Real World. We're excited to have you guys. And for any of you out there listening, be sure to subscribe and write us a great review. It helps get our ratings up there so more people listen to us. And be sure and check out jakeandgino.com. So thanks again, guys. Make it a great day.
2: Thanks. You too. Thanks.
0: Thank you for joining us today on Real Estate Real World, where we talk with masters and leaders in real estate and beyond on how we can raise the bar in our industry. Please subscribe over on iTunes. And while you're there, be sure to give us a review. Your reviews encourage us and help others find our podcast. For show notes and hot topics on what's going on right now in our real estate industry, pop on over to www realestaterealworld.com and add your name to our email. Thanks again for listening. And go out there. Be a part of the elite masterclass in raising the bar on the real estate industry.